Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from Psalm 107, verses 1 through 16 in the CSB translation. If you have a Bible or device, I'd encourage you to turn there. While you're getting there, my name is Sarah Hughes, and my husband, Justin, and our kids have been coming here for the last 10 years. We've been covenant members for 10 years. Let's hear God's word. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim that he has redeemed them from the power of the foe and has gathered them from the lands, from the east and the west, from the north and the south. Some wandered in the desolate wilderness, finding no way to a city where they could live. They were hungry and thirsty. Their spirits failed within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He rescued them from their distress. He led them by the right path to go to a city where they could live. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. For he has satisfied the thirsty and filled the hungry with good things. Others sat in darkness and gloom, prisoners in cruel chains, because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the counsel of the Most High. He broke their spirits with hard labor, they stumbled, and there was no one to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and gloom and broke their chains apart. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. For he has broken down the bronze gates and cut through the iron bars. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So if you have a Bible with you, uh, get to Psalm 107. We'll be there this Sunday and next as we think about 20 years and giving thanks. And then after in September, we are going to begin the journey through the book of Acts. It's a fitting book for us to, uh, to pray through, to preach through as we begin the next 20 years together to be a New Testament church, spirit-empowered, prayerful, and walking on mission and growing, growing in the Lord. And so we begin the book of Acts in September. So last time I was up here was May 21st. That was the last Sunday before my summer sabbatical began. That seems like a really, really long time ago. It also seems like yesterday. And so um, I got a lot of words. I'm going to try not to um, do that all on one Sunday because this is a marathon, right? Uh, it seems, so it's been a sweet gift this, uh, this season, this sabbatical. If we haven't met before, if you've started to call Crosspoint home this summer, I love that you're here. I look forward to getting to know you. I also love that you've already met the most beautiful part of this church, and that is not its lead pastor. That is the people of God, the brothers and sisters who call this church home and that you're getting to know those people. If you were here in May when I left, if we've been uh, friends for a long time, if I haven't seen you, I look forward to trying to personally greet you in the coming weeks. That all can't happen in one Sunday. Uh, that would be kind of this awkward receiving line that would make it about me, and I'm trying not to make it about me. But I look forward to getting to, to see you, to hear how the Lord's been at work, and how uh, I can be praying for you and these kind of things. I use the word gift a lot to describe this time of sabbatical. I'll use it again. This time away to retreat and rest was a gracious gift to receive, to enjoy the retired life in the middle of my working career was timely. It went quickly for sure, and yet the Lord was at work in my heart and life. So to answer the question of how was sabbatical in about four or five minutes, here we go. Sabbatical was a real gift to our marriage. Heather and I have been married for 27 years. She is my best friend, and to have extended time together as a couple was wonderful. Heather was still working full-time and so wasn't able to uh, take a sabbatical from that role of caregiving for people as a nurse 
but we were able to, without ministry, we were able to enjoy extended time together more than usual. We had a lot of intentional conversations, a lot of fun together as usual. Uh, Heather is the social media director of our lives, and so, uh, so she's tasked with that. And so if you uh, connect with us in that way, you probably saw some pictures. Believe it or not, we will not be going through a slideshow this morning about what all we did. We're excited to move into this next chapter of grandparenting uh, in our family tree, and this summer was a timely gift in preparation for that. Speaking of, sabbatical was also a gift in, in that it gave us extended time with our four adult married kids. We were able to get, go on vacation together with our kids, uh, ended up having more time together with the four of them than we expected. Uh, it was a real joy to, as parents of 20-somethings, to be able to call our kids not just friends, but also brothers and sisters in Christ. And the Lord who calls us is faithful, and He has done it, and He's doing it, and that's an answer to prayer. Sabbatical was also a gift in that it allowed for some rhythms of my life to be renewed and reestablished. Rhythms such as consistent time in the Word, prayer, reading books, listening to and watching podcasts, messages, physical activity, exercise, I saw growth in all those areas, which I pray will continue in the weeks to come, that those aren't in the rearview mirror, but those are active in my life. Feel free to ask me in the future to check in. I will not lie to you. I will tell you the truth. In general, uh, my screen time on things such as social media went down, and my time spent on better things uh, went up, and I pray that that, uh, that rhythm or that balance will continue. I also had the opportunity to work with my hands to uh, to do some projects, which is restful for my mind and satisfying to my heart. Sabbatical was also a gift in my relationship with Jesus, simply enjoying his grace and the goodness he has shown me in the gospel, being reminded of my identity in Christ and who I am in him, and that his grace and power are more than sufficient. He lovingly put me on the potter's wheel to deal with some idolatry and sin in my life and some brokenness of my past. I had planned on preaching Psalm 107 long before, sabbatical, but I can see how the Lord uh, is using this specific text to, uh, to preach to my own heart. Grace-driven progress was made, and while I'm still a work in progress, just like you all, uh, the Lord is faithful to continue that work, and we saw his love on display this summer. Finally, I want to share that I'm thankful to be back. Uh, I do not come back begrudgingly or reluctantly. No one had to drag me in here this morning, okay? I return with a lot of hope for the future, a lot of prayerful confidence about how our triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit is at work. He's been at work. He's out ahead of us at work, leading the way. I return with much love for you all and those yet to be reached with the gospel. You all were prayed for and thought of often this summer. You were missed. I missed this, this gathering, um, being alongside you all in worship and fellowship Heather and I are deeply grateful for the church family that the Lord has called us to for 20 years now. And thank you for how you encouraged and loved us this summer in a multitude of ways. I can't say thank you enough for how the elders and staff and other servant leaders have stepped up this summer to love us in giving, this, giving us this gift of sabbatical. I believe they were as committed, if not more, to see me take a break. And so I'm grateful for that. Seriously, these brothers and sisters, these friends, these co-laborers are a gift of grace in our lives and to this church, and I thank our Heavenly Father for them. I believe this season was not only spiritually healthy for 
our household, but also the whole household of faith at Crosspoint. The Lord is causing the growth, not just in Heather and I, not just in our kids, but in us collectively as the family of God, the body of Christ, reminding us again and again and again the church is built on Jesus Christ alone. He's the cornerstone, always has been, always will be. And we are simply his people. And together we're growing up into him who is the head. So church family, thank you for your graciousness toward the Steinbeck family through all these seasons. Whether you've been here for 20 years or just started coming, we are grateful for you. All our delight is in you, as Psalm 16 says. So Psalm 107 begins this. Verses 1 through 3 in the CSB translation. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim that he has redeemed them, redeemed them from the power of the foe and has gathered them from the lands from the east and the west, from the north and the south. Psalm 107 will lead us well today and next Sunday to direct our hearts, our minds, our eyes upward. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim. So we're going to give thanks and we are going to proclaim. And what do the people of God proclaim? We proclaim that our God is good and that his faithful love endures forever and that we've seen his goodness and love on display in our lives and our stories through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this gospel is the power of God for the salvation of all who trust in him. So we proclaim with the prayerful expectation that more will be saved and redeemed from the power of the enemy. So in this psalm, we see four different pictures of redemption. We'll look at two of them this Sunday, two next week. And each of these pictures follows the same pattern. One that all followers of Jesus can relate to. It begins with a distressful situation, which then leads to a crying out to the Lord, which then leads to the divine and good and loving response from the Lord and then the people of God who have become the people of God, all by grace alone give thanks. This is the rhythm or pattern of our salvation stories, our stories of our conversion to Jesus Christ, but not just our salvation stories, but also our sanctification ones. And by that, I mean the countless stories since we have come to faith in Jesus where we're growing up into him for the rest of our earthly lives, deepening our roots in him, where we are repenting of and turning away from sin and turning toward the lavish grace, the satisfaction found in Jesus alone. There is a repetition to this psalm, and that's good because repetition helps us remember. Remember his goodness and his faithful love in our past and in our present day lives. That what he's begun, he's faithful to continue and finish. My hope is in this season of celebration, we might proclaim the good news of Jesus to one another, and in doing so, give thanks and spur one another on in our faith. Psalm 107 was written following the return from exile of the Israelites in the Old Testament. Because of their ongoing sin, their rebellion against the Lord, they incur judgment from the Babylonians. They're scattered. But now, thanks to the goodness of the Lord, they're returning from exile from the east, the west, the north, the south. Psalm 107 points backward to the story of the Israelites. It also points the reader in the Old Testament forward to the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, the eternal one, who has always been, always will be, Alpha, Omega, who will fulfill Isaiah's words in chapter 61, 
and bring good news to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, freedom to the prisoners who will proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to, to give a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair. Our God is making all things new. Jesus, who will usher in a new covenant by his sacrificial blood through his birth, life, death, and resurrection. These words in Psalm 107 should remind us of our stories. They should remind us of our distress, our crying out for help, and the Lord's saving and loving response. See, all our stories are unique, and yet all our stories are the same. They contain the same chapters, if you will, and they all have the same hero, Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords, King of Kings our rescuer and redeemer whose, go whose gospel tells us that nothing and no one is beyond him. No circumstance is too great. No sin is too great. No wilderness too large. No prison too strong. No self-inflicted sin too entangled. No guilt or debt too massive. No storm too immense. No, our God is alive. He's reigning. He's ruling. He's saving. And he's sending out those of you not following Jesus yet, I'm not talking about you believing in Jesus in the sense that he existed. I'm talking to those of you who, who would say in your honest moments, you'd confess, no, I'm not following Jesus with the whole of my life. He's really not a concern of mine. I really don't think about him at all. Yes, I'm sure he's a person in history. He had good things to say. He lived a moral life, but I'm not following him. Friends, Dearly loved ones, if that's you, he is the only one who is able to redeem and rescue you. He is our singular hope. And if a friend asks you at school or at work, are you in need of rescue? You'd probably go, does it look like I'm drowning? Does it look like I'm in a house that's being burnt down? No, I'm good, I'm good. But in your quiet moments, on your commute, when you're trying to go to sleep, when you're on your walk, when in your quiet moments, You'd probably say in your honest moments, yeah, I need rescue. I need help. I mean, you've tried all these other paths toward freedom, and none of them have panned out. You're still chasing your identity in the world, still trying to tether your life to this thing or that thing, hoping that somehow is going to be your steady anchor. But alas, it's like chasing the wind, and it's leaving you exhausted in your distressed this morning, cry out to the Lord in prayer. What the psalm will tell you four times over is that he is faithful to rescue. He is not a God who ignores cries out. No, he responds. And what the followers of Jesus would tell you who sit around you is that his gospel is not just good news for them, but it's good news for you. Don't disregard Jesus, the risen one, one more day. Today's the day to regard him and follow him and trust in him. Verse 1 again, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. That last phrase, his faithful love endures forever, your translation may say his mercy endures forever. It shows up over 30 times in the Psalms. The psalmists sing of the Lord's loyal love, his covenantal love, not his contractual love, 
this is not like, well, you messed up too many times. It's not a contract like, oh, sorry, you're out. Oh, sorry, I'm not going to pursue you any, anymore. Oh, sorry, my grace, I, I guess it's run out because you've screwed up too many times or you've disregarded me too long. No, rather his covenantal love, it endures forever. The redeemed enjoy his love in this life. They will bask in his love for all eternity alongside one another. Anytime we read our Bibles, we get the opportunity to learn who our triune God is. And here we see that he is good. No evil exists in him. He does what is good because he is good. No, no darkness, only light. Verses 2 and 3, let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim that he has redeemed them from the power of the foe and has gathered them from the lands, from the east and the west, and from the north and the south. Redeemed is a word that has been sitting on my head and heart a lot this summer. Ligon Duncan defines redemption this way. Redemption means to secure the release or recovery of persons or things by the payment of a price. Theologically, redemption refers ultimately to the saving work of Christ, who came to accomplish our redemption by giving his life in substitution for our own as the ransom price, his death for our life. So think of the picture of slavery. You and I were chained up, bound, under a debt that we could not pay, and Jesus has purchased our freedom through his birth, life, death, and resurrection. He has done what Isaiah said he would do. Liberty to the captives, freedom to the prisoners. And what motivated the Lord to redeem us? His faithful love, his enduring mercy, his love that is not fickle, but it's fixed. His love that is not changing like the shadows, but it's unchanging. It's never ending. His love, as the Jesus Storybook Bible describes it, a love that is, that is never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Jesus paid the ransom price to, he paid it in full on the cross. We couldn't redeem or set ourselves free, but the Lord Jesus could and did, and he can and he will in your life if you cry out to him in prayer. The Lord Jesus is still proclaiming liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. Are you walking in that freedom that's been purchased for you? Are you enjoying the unchained life that is in Christ and that is purchased for the redeemed people of God? Are you tempted to turn back? Are you actively turning back to the lesser things of the slavery of Egypt? Today, loved ones, in your distress, cry out, our God, a faithful love will respond. Because, friends, we all have a real spiritual enemy who's prowling around like a lion seeking to devour. How do we know that? The end of verse 2. He has redeemed them from the power of the foe. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we've been redeemed from the enemy's clutches. We've been set free from living for our flesh. We've been unchained from following the patterns of this world. We've been set free not to return to old creation ways, but to walk in new creation ways that are ours in Christ. We've been set free to love and serve the Lord and out of an overflow of that, love and serve one another. 
We've been set free in order that we might proclaim the praises of our Redeemer. All our stories have this rhythm, that we've been redeemed from this so that we might enjoy this or grow in this. Set free from so that we might believe and be and do this as a result. Unchained from this old identity and now anchored in this new identity in Christ. For instance, thinking of my own story, I would say things like this. I've been redeemed from a bent towards self-righteousness and now enjoy being clothed in His righteousness. I've been set free from a works-based gospel and now enjoy the gospel of God's grace. I've been set free from generational sin and now the Lord is doing a new thing in my family tree and the generations that follow. I've been redeemed from trying to find my satisfaction in sin and now grow in find, finding my real satisfaction found in Jesus alone. I've been set free from thinking I am loved for what I do and now enjoy knowing that I am loved for what Jesus has already done, period. I've been redeemed from a fear of people and now seek to live in awe of the Lord alone. What about you? What is your redeemed from so that you might enjoy this of the Lord? What is your succinct, sentence-long, or two-word story? Lost, found, dead, alive, chained, freed, condemned, forgiven. What is your story? And it's not like we're still not tempted to turn back to what we've been redeemed from. Some of you probably heard, might have heard, so he's redeemed from self-righteousness? Like he's never, well, that's kind of self-righteous to say he's not, not prone to self-righteousness. No, I'm not saying that. In fact, we are still tempted to turn back to what we've been redeemed from. This is one of the multitude of reasons we must proclaim these gospel truths to our hearts and to one another, to our fellow gathered believers who have been brought into the family of God by His grace. We proclaim truth so that the lie of the enemy and our flesh and the world is exposed to what it is, a lie. A lie with the intent to steal, kill, and destroy. See, God's truth has one goal. John 10 will tell you this. Abundant life in Christ. Not a hint of slavery in that sentence. The lie is intended to steal, kill, destroy. Abundant life in Christ is the Lord's hope for you. We can't stay silent, brothers and sisters. We must be those who proclaim and declare and speak of how the gospel has been at work in our past, in our present, so that we might then look forward to the future knowing he's continuing what has begun and he will finish what he has begun with this hopeful, prayerful expectation for how the Lord is at work in the future. Here's one reason why we are tempted to stay silent when, we, when we've been called to speak because we haven't arrived. We're under the silly and prideful notion that, well, when I really make progress for, and we put a timeline on it, months, maybe even years on end, like when I'm nailing it 24-7, 365, then I'll proclaim. Like when I'm almost perfect. The lady on the phone says, I just got one more turn, and then I have arrived. But loved ones, yes, redemption has occurred in our salvations. It's who we are in Christ. As well as our redemption is happening in our daily way of life. We're walking that out now. We're living that out. So let us be the redeemed who proclaim 
when we are undefeated and when we're just over 500 and when we're taking more L's than W's. Let us proclaim to the gathered people of God that we are as in desperate need of God's grace today as we were then when we first called out. That we didn't shift from grace to, oh, now I'm killing this. No, we are as in desperate need of God's grace as we were then as we are today. Let us proclaim in our community groups, in our time together over coffee and meals, in this gathering, before and after, in our fellowship with one another. We're following Jesus together alongside one another. Brothers and sisters, lay aside your self-righteous desire to look awesome and turn toward and enjoy the transformative and sufficient grace of God that is the only reason we are here, the only reason we are saved, only reason we are gathered. This week, I'd love for you to think about some of your stories, what you've been redeemed from and what you're enjoying of the Lord as a result, what you're, what you're being or have been set free from, what might describe your old creation life and then what you're turning toward and growing of the Lord, who you were and now who you are and who you're becoming in Christ. This next week in our gathering, we'll have um, an opportunity to proclaim these gospel realities as the redeemed people of God. We'll have uh, some glass boards up here, a couple boards to capture that what we've been set free from, a couple boards to capture who we are becoming and who we are now in Christ, and then a fifth board that I'll describe more about next week. We'll have a time where you can come up and write your two-word story or this little this little phrase that captures this and a phrase that glorifies the Lord who is redeemed. And all of this will stir up in us a thanksgiving toward the Lord who has been at work for 20 years, who will be at work in the next 20. So then in verses 4 through 9, we get the first picture of redemption in the psalm. We finally made it to verse 4. Aren't you glad to see me? I mean, some of you are newer thinking, oh, is this what he does? Oh, heavens, like, is this what he does? Uh, Sometimes, sometimes I do this, and sometimes it'll pick up pace, sometimes it won't. No guarantees. It's first Sunday back. Thanks for your grace. So the two words for this section of verses 4 through 9 would be lost and now found. Notice the pattern again. Distressful situation. Cry out to the Lord. The Lord responds because he loves, and the people give thanks. Some wandered in the desolate wilderness, finding no way to a city where they could live. They were hungry and thirsty. Their spirits failed within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He rescued them from their distress. He led them by the right path to go to a city where they could live. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. For he has satisfied the thirsty and filled the hungry with good things. Wandering in the desolate wilderness, unable to lead yourself, finding, finding yourself continually hungry and thirsty to the point of exhaustion and your spirits failing. After wrongly thinking you could lead yourself, after trying all these different paths to try to find lasting satisfaction for your hunger and for your thirst, but at best finding just momentary pleasure or escape, sin and self had led to one place, the position of being lost. You were in trouble. And after coming to the end of yourself, you had nowhere else to look but up to 
the Lord. And what did the Lord do in response to your humble prayer for his help, his power, his rescue? What did he do? He, just, he did just that. He rescues because he's a God of enduring, faithful love. And not only did he rescue, but he began to lead your life. He led you from the wilderness, from exile, and toward life in him. Life in him alongside fellow redeemed people. He led you home to a dwelling place, to security in him despite circumstances. He led you on the right path. That didn't mean trouble no longer came your way in life. But it did mean the one true God who had overcome the world and its trouble was for you and with you and empowering you and dwelling inside of you through his spirit. And how did you respond? Ah, you were indifferent. No, we gave thanks to the God who has been doing this rescue work in the lives of people for centuries. The God who does not leave us hungry and thirsty, but satisfies. Who does not lead us to lesser enslaving things, but toward abundant life and freedom. Who transforms our desires, appetites, tastes to not settle for bread that molds and water that is bitter and bad but rather finds its satisfaction in Jesus, the bread of life, the living water who is eternally satisfied. Mary, after finding out she would be the mother of Jesus in her song of worship recorded in Luke 1, quotes verse 9 from this psalm. Because the God who is at work in the return from exile and maintaining a remnant in Israel was the God who would send his one and only son as a rescuer and redeemer for all who trust in him the God who is still satisfying the thirsty and filling the hungry with good things. Once we were lost, but now, thanks be to Jesus, our Redeemer, we've been found. The second picture of redemption is found in verses 10 through 16. See, we're picking up pace. Reminding us we've been redeemed from prison and now in Christ we are freed and we're forgiven. Others sat in darkness and gloom, prisoners in cruel chains because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the counsel of the Most High. He broke their spirits with hard labor. They stumbled, and there was no one to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and gloom and broke their chains apart. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His faithful love and His wondrous works for all humanity, for He has broken down the bronze gates and cut through the iron bars. Before looking to Christ, we sat in darkness we were prisoners in cruel chains. We had heard how the Lord who created us had called us to live, and we disregarded his counsel. We said, I think I'll do it my way. I like my way better. And as a result, we imprisoned ourselves. Rebellion had not led to the life that we thought it would, or what our spiritual enemy promised it would, or what the world promised it would. No, rebellion didn't lead to freedom. It actually led to imprisonment. And we cried out to the Lord in desperation, in need, of, in need of deliverance, in need of a chain breaker. And what did the Lord do? He did just that. He saved us from our distress. And again, not only did he rescue or save, but he brought us out of darkness and gloom and broke our chains apart. Tell me how mighty our God is. Do you remember, brother and sister? Do you remember? Are you actively being reminded about how the God not just worked 20 years ago, the God who is alive and active, presently at work in your life. The Lord of covenant love not only leads us home and satisfies us, 
He not only seeks and finds us in our lostness, He is also the God who frees us and forgives us. He breaks chains of sin, not so that we can go pick those back up and wrap ourselves up again, but so that we might live as we've been called to live, free in Christ, set free from, for His purposes, for His mission, His glory. Charles Spurgeon said this, The Lord breaks the strongest gates and bars when the time comes to set free His prisoners. And spiritually, the Lord Jesus has broken the most powerful of spiritual bonds and made us free indeed. Brass and iron are quickly consumed before the flame of Jesus' love. The gates of hell shall not prevail against us, neither shall the, bar shall the bars of the grave detain us. Brass and iron are quickly consumed before the flame of Jesus' love. The gates of hell shall not prevail against us, neither shall the bars of the grave detain us. Cross point, the Lord is building his church, expanding his kingdom. The gates of hell will never, never prevail against his church. No scheme of the enemy can stop our God. Death itself could not stop, so that means nothing can contain our Savior. Rather, the eternal Lord used what was evil, turned it for good, the salvation of all who might believe, including you and including me, including those who we are praying for and on mission toward. Jesus is still seeking and finding that which is lost. He's still leaving the 99 to go after the one. He's still pursuing the rebellious prodigal and the self-righteous Pharisee. He alone with all of heaven is still rejoicing at our repentance and the repentance of those who are first calling out and crying out to the Lord in times of trouble. Jesus is still the one breaking chains of sin and generational dysfunction. He's still setting captives free. He's still gathering the found and freed from all backgrounds and all directions to come together in unity to worship the one who has done the work. Listen to the last verse of Psalm 107. Let whoever is wise pay attention to, to these things and consider the Lord's acts of faithful love. Brothers and sisters, let us consider the Lord's acts of faithful love in our lives, in the lives of others, including those around us. May that lead to a worshipful gratitude and glory to the God who's doing the work. May it lead us to proclaim and speak and tell of his faithful love. Let us consider the reality that our God of faithful love is still drawing and still saving those who we are praying for and pursuing. To those of you who are wandering, still feeling chained up, still feeling imprisoned, cry out to the Lord as we sing. Our God is not far off. He is near. Our God is able. He is present. He is a God who loves you and desires to find you and to save you and to give you abundant life in Him and to do what the psalmist of 107 is speaking of in your life. Let's pray. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim that He has redeemed them, redeemed them from the power of the foe and has gathered them from the lands, from the east and the west, and from the north and the south. Lord, You have gathered, You are gathering, You will gather you have sent out, you are sending, and you will send out in the future. When we were lost, you found us. When we were wandering, you drew us back. When we were straying, you were sacrificing your life to make a way for us to return 
to you, our good shepherd and overseer of our souls. When we were chained up, you broke the chains. When we sat in darkness, you came as the light of the world. When we were unsure if you'd meet us with mercy in our rebellion, you ran us down and rejoiced at our returning home. When we were too proud to come in, your grace kept inviting and pursuing. You're still doing that work in us to this day, Lord. Help us welcome your transformative grace and truth and not resist. Give us humility to walk in the light of your grace for it alone is what saves and sanctifies. We give you thanks for how the flame of your love is all-consuming. Grow us in our understanding of the vastness of your love for us. We are found and we are freed thanks to your faithful love, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Luke 4 records this. Jesus came to Nazareth where he, where he had been brought up. As usual, he entered, there, entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and set free the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. He began by saying to them, Today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. And what Jesus began there, he continues in our day. Because the faithful one is at work as we plant, as we walk. So let's be found faithful.